and welcome to the first land business podcast from Stratton Parker with me, Philippa Hall. In this series, we'll be covering a variety of topics for farmers and landowners, ranging from everyday issues to long-term strategic thinking. Things like new technology, boosting yields, reaching your estate's potential and much more. Today, we're in Warwickshire exploring the benefits of machinery share. The way farmers organise work and relationships in their business is changing. The share economy has transformed many industries and now it's spreading into agriculture. Has it got anything to offer you? So on this farm today we've got uh, around here is the tractor and sprayer, John Deere tractor and the horse sprayer. Uh, we've also got one of the other tractors um, around the back of the yard there. Everything else uh, is currently living on the other farms we're involved with. Well, I'm on Squab Hall Farm and alongside me is Rob Fox, the farm manager. Rob, you're just talking me through some of your equipment there. But I can't see a combine. A new farm about roughly 900 acres, arable land. So how are you actually going to do your harvest? We have a pair of New Holland combines and uh, we own one of them. And one of the other farmers we're involved with owns another one. And they live through the winter and when they're not being used, uh, on one of the other farms. Now this is because you have a machinery sharing agreement with say neighbouring, they're local farmers, they're not your direct uh, neighbours. Uh, talk me through this share agreement. So when I, when I started here at Squab Hall about seven years ago uh, as the first manager we always wanted to expand the farm in some way. I'd had experience of a joint venture at my previous job and was very interested in taking that idea forward here. I approached a farmer who's about eight or nine miles down the road. We did know each other briefly before and I knew that he was interested in that sort of arrangement as well. Uh, for Harvest 2012, um, we decided to sell two combines and, 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 and we bought one which we would share. So we were then up to 1,500 acres between the two of us. Uh, after 18 months of working together with the machinery we had, we decided that we could work together and that it was going to work. We came up with a, with a list of what we thought we needed to run at the time 1,500 acres and compared that with a list of machinery we had between us uh, and actually we very quickly decided that we didn't need anything else but we could sell uh, quite a lot um, of what we had. And you've now extended that partnership because there's three of you involved. That's right, yeah. The following year, um, another farmer who farms sort of in between us uh, was interested in, in uh, coming on board, uh, taking the acreage up to just over 1,800 between the three of us now. Um, the machinery fleet was then refined a little bit more. We sold one more tractor uh, and, and inherited um, a few pieces of machinery that the third farmer owned. And talk me through the type of agreement that you've signed with these two other farmers. So initially we signed um, or we drew up a very informal um, uh, sort of letter of intent agreement to provide each other with the machinery we needed to operate over the acreage. We decided not to go down the route of an LLP like a lot of other joint ventures do. We wanted to keep it very simple. We've written into that agreement what we are proposing to share, which machines we are proposing to share, and also uh, in that agreement um, is a, a plan to disperse if we ever fell out. You have to just keep 
an open mind, you have to keep quite good records. Yeah, there's no reason why it can't be nice and simple. And did you seek legal advice when you were setting this up? We didn't seek legal advice per se. We spoke to um, agents uh, who, who we were all involved with individually, took their advice, um, and we decided for now that we wouldn't create an ELLP and we wouldn't create a, um, a more complicated legal agreement than we had to. Well, earlier on I spoke to a legal expert to get a bit more advice on what to consider if you fancy this sort of machinery sharing arrangement yourself. I'm Julie Robinson and I'm head of the agriculture team at Roythorn Solicitors. I think the key thing when someone comes and says I'd like to share a piece of kit is what exactly are you thinking of doing? And I think that this is really important. There's a spectrum here. And it runs from sharing equipment that you have with somebody else and they share another piece of equipment with you. So one has the sprayer, one has the drill, through to making a decision to jointly own a machine. So maybe something bigger like a, a combined harvester through to you, you right at the sort of more complex end of the spectrum. We have arrangements where uh, two or more businesses set up a separate entity that holds the machinery and uh, you get a, a real joint venture. Some of the same principles apply and the same questions apply, which are, whichever of those particular models you choose. And if someone's thinking about where on the spectrum they want to be with their sharing joint ownership, how do you advise them and should someone be setting up a limited liability partnership which seems to be a bit more complicated but there probably are some benefits to that as well as some cons farmers hate this when the professionals say it but there are a group of there's a team of people that need to advise on this and in particular you need to take uh, accounting advice on the accounting implications of disposing of kits you're going to need about to think about finance, you're probably going to have, if it's that level of uh, discussion about two or three businesses actually selling kit of various ages, you're going to have some kind of facilitator in the middle usually. What the lawyers do is write down the agreement between you. That's, that's our job really, is to document the agreement. There are many successful machinery sharing arrangements up and down the country where hundreds of pounds have not been spent on a lawyer um, to set it up, okay? But the more complex the agreement, and I think obviously the more the value of the piece of kit goes up, the more important it is at least to write down what it is you're agreeing about the various aspects of any machinery joint ownership or sharing arrangement. And so what are the things that should be written down in the agreement? What are the things that need to be thought about? Well, I think you can divide them into three different areas, really. The first area that you need to cover is the asset or the assets themselves. What are they? And you would put down the harvester and its make and its registration number. You're not just usually buying the asset, you're usually also buying some kind of maintenance plan, some kind of warranty. You'll agree what that is in advance as well, and you'll agree insurance. And actually, how much, how you are sharing the costs and ownership of that asset. So 
once you've dealt with the asset itself, you need to deal with operational matters, which is how are you going to, in practice, deal with breakdowns? And how are you going to decide when this machine is used? How are you going to communicate with each other about when it's used and when it's needed? Text, email, whatever. And who is going to get first dibs on the combine when the rain is approaching? And equally on the operational front, you want to look at who's actually operating the piece of kit. The third uh, area that you need to deal with is how, how the agreement ends. And that's either, you know, because the term ends that you've agreed. So at the beginning, you've agreed how long are we going to own this machine for? Maybe five eight to eight years, seven years. But that they should just think about what happens if one of the parties dies or the key man dies, what happens on bankruptcy. And then you also have to deal with breaches. So, as I say, three elements. The first one is the asset itself, what it is, who's paying for it, in what proportions. The second are the operational matters. And the third area is how the agreement ends. And then there's a tiny little any other business uh, area that you would deal with, which is are you doing anything else together like yield mapping or uh, nutrient testing together where you can find another opportunity to save money that's related to the activity you've bought the kit for. You're listening to the Land Business Podcast and in this episode we're talking machinery share. We're in rural Warwickshire, south of Leamington Spa. We've moved into the office now. We're still with Rob Fox, the farm manager here on Squab Hall Farm and we're now going to talk the more businessy side. In front of me is an Excel spreadsheet what has this got to do with the machinery share, Rob? Um, so this spreadsheet is hugely important to the way we run the joint venture. This tracks all everything we spend on machinery and forms the basis of how we charge out or charge between ourselves uh, the machinery. So what we've got is um, the spreadsheet is split into three, um, each section uh, relating to which farmer owns uh, which pieces of machinery. Those are the three colours I can see in front of me now. Yes, that's right, yeah. And uh, Everything that we spend on that machine uh, is entered into here. So the initial purchase price, um, anything we spend on service and repairs, we work out an average depreciation over the life of the machine. We put in there a value for any interest that we've either had to borrow the money to buy the machine or any notional interest that that money could be making elsewhere. Insurance costs are in there, any GPS subscriptions for the auto steering systems. Uh, A few of them are on trackers, so that goes in there as well. And then this all adds up to be able to work out uh, essentially how much our machinery fleet is to run um, over a year. And then we split that down into a per acre charge now, in an ideal world, what would happen is if you had 50% of the land in the agreement, you would pay for 50% of the machinery, either in physical machinery itself or sort of an extra financial uh, input at the end of each quarter. If we take round numbers, let's say the machinery costs us 100000 a year to run, including all of that depreciation, Um, repair costs and everything else. We have roughly 50% of the acreage, so our level of investment should be around 50,000 for the sake of argument. So at the end of each quarter, 
There's a balancing charge then goes back between the three farms if anyone is over-investing or under-investing. I'm responsible for managing this spreadsheet and uh, managing the machinery. So at the end of each quarter, I sit down, I work out what all the lads have been doing over the last three months, whose farm they've been on, and I prepare various invoices to go back and forth between us. So a number of questions come out of that for me, a, a lot of questions about the practical side of it all. But first of all, you just mentioned just then that you go through this quarterly. How is your time all calculated and added into this? So we work on the sort of premise that we each put the same amount of effort into the spreadsheet, into the invoicing. In the real world, that doesn't happen. Recently, I've taken on the agronomy across the three farms. Um, and within that charge, we make a small allowance for the time I spend in the office um, each quarter. What about labour with the machine? Is that involved in this and this, is that within this spreadsheet? Uh, so yes, um, essentially all the labour works for us here at Squab Hall and then depending on which farm they're on on which day, we then invoice out any hours that they spend on the other farms. That's, yes, that all comes back into this spreadsheet at the end of um, each quarter. Do you think a machinery share has to work like that with labour as well, or can it work without including the labour within it? I think it can work without. I think it can work in any way people want it to. I think it can work on whole fleets, or you could share one larger item, either a harvester or the sprayer. Um, I know some people who do that. So the big thing about a machinery share is you can make it whatever you want with, with whoever you want. It's, it's, it's yours to design. And so what staff do the other two farms employ themselves? So they don't employ any uh, labour at all between them. They're both on smaller farms, so we, we carry out anything that needs to be done on those farms, whether it be uh, harvesting or whether it be fixing a fence or digging a ditch or, or whatever it may be. Let's talk practical side then. You want your field um, to be harvested. The chap next door also wants his field to be harvested because the sun's only going to shine for a certain many hours of that particular day. How do you tackle that? Um, We're all very open-minded to the fact that as long as the machinery is operating efficiently somewhere, we're all benefiting. I think if you, if you approach these agreements thinking, I want the combine first or I want the sprayer today, um, then it's probably not for you. We're all very similar cropped, but we're all on slightly different land. So as it happens, blocks do ripen at different times. We tend to, uh, with the harvesters, we tend to spend two or three days at any one farm, try and clear a 100-acre block and then move on to the next farm. So we do try and move the kit round fairly between us all. Up until now, we've we've never had any issue with anyone feeling um, like, like they've got the blunt end of the stick. And what happens if somebody's crop is harvested and the moisture level isn't exactly what what they wanted? Is there anything to um, accommodate that? Yeah, it's something we've talked about a lot. Uh, I do know that larger JVs share their drying um, costs. We've approached it at the end of each year. Uh, in a way that if anyone feels like, again, if they feel hard done by, we sit down and discuss it. Again, to date, it's all balanced out. One person might have their rape harvested slightly damp, but it balances out because their wheat may have been completely dry. And then what happens, disaster, if something breaks down? Who, whose responsibility is it to, to sort that out? Yours or? 
it's the responsibility of the person who owns that machine. I, as the sort of operations manager, it's up to me to organise everything, whether it be the work or the breakdowns or the repairs. So it does, it, it, it falls to me to organise the repair, but it's the owner of that machine that um, will be required to pay for that repair. Those costs are all entered into the spreadsheet. So even if you have a £5,000 repair bill on a harvester, within 12 months, you'll get a share of that back anyway, because it all goes through the, the spreadsheet. This magic spreadsheet. Mm. If What happens if you're not excellent at Excel and you want to set something like this up? I mean, can it work without the spreadsheet? Uh, yeah, I'm sure it can. I'm sure it can. Everyone can can work it um, can work any agreement however however they want it just so happens that I'm fairly IT literate other people could have a less complicated version or even get a um, secretary or a, a, a member of the family to help them lots of numbers in that spreadsheet let's talk numbers in terms of um, financials and why it's been worth it for you and your neighboring farmers to, to have this machinery share um, and labor share agreement. It's obviously saving you money. How much can you save? I think if you're sensible about it, I think you can very easily save 15% on machinery costs. Overall running costs, depreciation, spares and repairs. We're probably only paying a little bit less than we were five years ago. However, if we'd remained as we were five years ago, we'd probably be paying 15 to 20% more than we are now. So we've sort of mitigated that rise in machinery costs that we would have incurred over the last four or five years. Well, plenty of farmers look at the best way to make money from the land, but the reality is every piece of equipment could also be a revenue opportunity. Renting machinery direct, that's farmer to farmer, is big in America. They can take advantage of renting across state lines where the seasons obviously differ by a few weeks. Could that sort of thing work here? Hello, I'm Dan Robinson. I'm the founder of Pharma. Pharma is a farm machinery sharing app that allows farmers to take underutilized machinery and rent it out to other farmers. And if you don't own machinery, you can rent in on demand and save money that way. Farmers in the UK spend two billion pounds a year on brand new machinery. And anybody who's been on a farm knows the vast majority isn't used every day. So there you've got an intrinsic inefficiency. What most farmers and most people think is that, oh, well, when I'm making my hay, everybody's making their hay. However, if you actually look at the data and look at the country as a whole, it's just not the case. In each small localised region, you do get um, a regional seasonality. However, you also get intra-regional variation of seasonality and that's brought about by things like different farm types and the reason why this goes under the radar is that most farmers tend to associate in business at least but often socially with the same kind of farm systems if you start connecting say an arable farmer with a sheep farmer you might just find there are symbioses there where the tractors, which they both use, will be used at different times. By putting all of this machinery and all these different types of farmers on one platform gives you the ability to find intermeshing seasonality. If you don't use something every day, then don't own it and just rent it when you need. And this is the way society is going in 
all areas, you know, ownership in many respects is becoming a thing of the past. Just look at what's happening with cars. Um, just look at what's happening in the subscription economy. If you're a new entrant, the, 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 the real barrier to entry is capital, access to capital, both land and machinery. So if a, a young farmer can just book a tractor and a plow for the afternoon they need to use it from the farm down the road, then that's mutually beneficial. It's heightened because of Brexit that you have to be finding efficiencies in your farm business in order to be future-proofed um, through this transitionary period, but also just to be as profitable as you can be. Take those inefficiencies out. And so if you don't use machinery every day, then you, you need to find a way of of sweating that asset, making it pay for itself better. Dan Robinson from the farm machinery sharing app Farm R there. I'm still with Rob Fox in Warwickshire. Rob has a three-way machinery share with nearby farmers. Uh, Rob, machinery share, it's not for everyone, is it? I don't think it is for everybody, but I think I think if you're interested in it, there's no reason why you can't you can't get along well. I think you have to keep an open mind. You have to be slightly careful of who you want to get involved with and who you do get involved with. And it may well be that the farmer with the perfect location right on the doorstep is maybe not the right person to get involved with on, on this sort of agreement. Should more farmers be taking this up? I think it's got a huge future. I think m moving forward, there will be more and more farmers getting involved on some level with a with another local farmer whether it just be uh, one machinery they're sharing a harvester or a sprayer um, or whether it's the whole fleet and the staff um, or whether they actually move the businesses um, into one uh, into one business i think it plays a part of bringing margins down i'm not saying it's the only way to save money there are other ways and i think all farmers should be looking at doing them all what about robotics? Um, do you think machinery share has got a place if people are using autonomous vehicles? Um, I'm not sure about the autonomous side of it. I think um, a joint venture is an excellent way to get into um, more expensive technology. We apply nearly everything on a variable rate basis now, either through um, uh, tractor-mounted sensors or uh, maps which we create in the farm office and that technology is quite expensive to get into on two or three hundred acres but actually it's not that much more expensive to get into on 1800 acres. So pros and cons then of machinery share? So obviously the biggest pro is that there's a huge saving to be made I believe on, on both um, not only the machinery fleet but also the labour as well. It also enables us to work as a larger group come harvest time so it's actually far more enjoyable than if you're on a smaller farm trying to do it all by yourself it's quite stressful uh, you're always up against it and now on 1800 acres there's uh, six or seven of us at harvest time so it's um it's actually much more enjoyable uh the downsides there aren't too many there's there can be quite a long-winded decision-making process when we do decide to change machinery because obviously there's more people involved more people have their opinion uh, so it did take us over 18 months to decide which sprayer to go for when we swapped um, when we swapped the sprayer um, and you've just got to keep you just got to keep an open-minded you can't be too close-minded you can't be 
to Insula, you've got to view everything as as the larger 1,800-acre farm rather than the, the farm that you're on. You've been listening to the Land Business Podcast from Strutt and Parker on Machinery Share with me, Philippa Hall. Do get in touch with any comments, questions or even topics that you'd like us to cover via email podcast at struttonparker.com or visit the website struttonparker.com forward slash podcasts. Next time, we're in Hertfordshire discussing estate property, in particular, the new kind of rental tenant that's out there, the latest in permitted development rules and me's. Not sure what they are? Tune in and find out.